0: else in there? Or do you
1: want to move on to 17?
0: I think I'm ready to move on to verse 17.
1: Okay. I'm going to read a larger section here. I'm going to read all the way through 22. Is that okay? Go for it. Okay. So if you consider me your partner, receive him as you would receive me. If he has wronged you at all or owes you anything, charge that to my account. Hmm. I, Paul, write this with my own hand. I will repay it to say nothing of your owing me, even your own self. Ouch. Mm. Yes, brother, I want some benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ, confident of your obedience. I write to you knowing that you will do even more than I say. At the same time, prepare a guest room for me, for I am hoping that through your prayers, I will graciously Uh, I will be graciously given to you.
0: Mm. Yeah. So here's where we're going to begin to see. Well, we've already seen a lot of parallels between things that Paul is saying to Philemon about Onesimus and things that God and Christ and the Holy Spirit through Scripture say to us about receiving sinners. And this is just another level of that where Paul is, is like we said before, he's putting himself in Onesimus' shoes. If you count me as a partner, receive Onesimus as you would me. And again, this is exactly what Jesus commands us to do with his children. I think about Matthew chapter 25, uh, and it's I won't read the whole thing, but in Matthew chapter 25, starting in verse 31, that's when Jesus, he he's talking about the end times and when the Son of Man comes in His glory and all the holy angels with Him, uh, all the nations are gathered before Him. He's going to separate them out, the the sheep on His right, the the goats on His left. And to the people on His right, the righteous, He's going to say, Come, you blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you for I was hungry and you gave me food thirsty. You gave me drink. I was a stranger. You took me in. I was naked and you clothed me so on and so forth. He says, then the righteous will answer saying, Lord, when did we see you in these circumstances and, and reach out to you? You -hmm. know, when, when were you hungry and we came to you? When, when were you thirsty? Talk about humility on behalf of the righteous, right? They're going to answer and say, Lord, you know, that sounds really good, but when did that happen? We don't know. And the king will answer and say to them, Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did it to, the, to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. Jesus says the same thing. He says hmm. he puts himself in the shoes of our brothers and sisters in Christ. Jesus is saying to us, Receive them as you would receive me, you know, in judgment. Our, our lives are going to be unfolded before us. Jesus is, is going to flip through the pages of our lives, and he's going to focus on every interaction we've ever had with one of the least of these, his brethren, our brothers and sisters in Christ. And he's going to say, here, you served me. Or, or, or here, you failed to serve me. You didn't serve me. Here you were pretty, you acted pretty poor towards me. And maybe we'll be like the righteous and we'll say, when did that happen? When did we serve you? Or Maybe we'll be like the unrighteous. We'll say, Jesus, we didn't see you. If we saw you, we would have done it. But Jesus expects us to treat our brothers and sisters as we would him. Paul says the same thing to Philemon. He's calling for Philemon to receive Onesimus and treat him as he would Paul.
1: Exactly right. Uh, The the next verse, he says, if he's wronged you at all Mm -hmm. or owes you anything, charge that to my account. I I assume here he's speaking monetarily um, that if he has taken anything from you or if he owes you anything, I will repay it. I will make sure that that debt is satisfied. Um, And so I think that's a wonderful thing here. Um, not only is he seeing that Onesimus is taken care of, but he's also making sure that Philemon is taken care of as well mm-hmm. throughout this. Uh, it's not like, oh, so Onesimus, you know, he became a Christian. So as far as that debt goes, you're, you're out of luck, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, no, there's still a debt to be paid here. Um, that there's something that needs to be settled. And Paul does not want that debt to be a stumbling block in their relationship. He doesn't want that to interfere with them reuniting and and hashing things out and becoming uh what they need to be with one another. So he removes that stumbling block. He removes that issue out of the way and says, I'm gonna take care of this. Mm-hmm. And so All that leaves is really the relationship itself uh, that needs to be worked out.
0: And again, I see Jesus. Jesus does the same thing for us. I see Jesus on the cross for the sins of my brothers and sisters, even sins that they committed towards me. He's saying, put that on my account. You know, Jesus says, the, the Lord says, vengeance is mine i will repay that's what paul says mm. he says whatever he has against you if he's stolen if he's you know i'll repay it put that on my account right he's saying the same thing he's he's mirroring christ's attitude and i love that he's it, like you said so much, so earlier on he's he's demonstrating such a christ-like attitude in the way that he's approaching this this situation yeah it, he, it, says, it, he says he says I'm writing, you know. I write with you through my own hand. I will repay. Not to mention that you owe me even your own self besides. And again, there's Jesus. Again,
1: mm-hmm.
0: we are called to forgive others because of Christ's unbelievable, boundless forgiveness towards us, beyond our even understanding. We don't even understand the level to which. Christ has
1: forgiven us. Yes. So Jesus does do the same. He says, there is, there's an issue here. There's an issue between my father Mm. and there is an issue between you and that being us. The issue is, is that there is a debt that needs to be paid Mm -hmm. and there is a relationship that is hindered Here, there's an issue, and so what Jesus does is he does remove that debt out of the way, he pays that debt and says, Charge this to my account. Now, the only thing that you guys have to work out is the relationship part, Mm -hmm. and that's going to be up to you guys. And of course, Christ is mediating that relationship, but It's going to take both parties. and In this case, we know God's going to hold up his end. God's not going to let us down. Mm -hmm. But on our end, we have to make sure that we do what we need to do to rebuild, not rebuild, but uh, hold up to our end, which is our end of that relationship is of service. It's our uh, relationship of being a bond servant here. It's a relationship of serving our Lord and Master Jesus. And we are justified by that faithfulness in our life, by how we respect that relationship, how we cater to that relationship, how we respect that relationship that's been established through Christ and through that debt being removed. And so our our goal from now on is catering and tending that relationship with God mm-hmm. and with Christ. Um, so there is some, some parallels here that we can take note of that I think are important to take note of.
0: Yeah. Ephesians, Ephesians four, verse 32 says, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God and Christ forgave you. That's where our mm-hmm. forgiveness towards our brothers and sisters should stem from. We for simply Simply put, we forgive one another because God in Christ has forgiven us a debt that we cannot even explain, or we cannot even begin to comprehend. Right? We're not an almighty and all-perfect and holy God. We did not create this universe. We do not, we simply do not understand the weight of our sin. We understand that it's it's a weight that's so so heavy, so insurmountable that we could never pay it on our own. But praise God that he in Christ has forgiven it. And and, and so knowing that, that that God in Christ has forgiven you a debt that you can't even explain. It's so insurmountable. You can't even fathom it. Don't you, knowing that, don't you just want to forgive your brothers and sisters Mm
1: -hmm. for
0: whatever petty thing they've done to you? And really, it is. I mean, it, forget about the, the human scale that we sort of put sin on. Whatever yeah. it is, it's so petty compared to the debt that has been forgiven in us. The debt's been forgiven in me. I mean, it's so—I I can't understand it. I, I can't even explain the the debt that Christ has forgiven in me. How dare I go and, and refuse that forgiveness, that mercy towards others— especially towards my brothers and sisters in Christ, when Christ has forgiven me of a debt I can't even explain.
1: Have you noticed the parallel between verse 20 and verse 7? So in verse 7, he's in -hmm. the process of praising Onesimus. And I'm sorry, I switched to the ESV without telling you. That's okay. Um, I noticed. (laughs) Yeah, I'm sure you did uh I'm sure you noticed the accuracy uh <laughs> verse seven, for I have derived much joy and comfort from your love, my brother, because the heart of the saints have been refreshed through you. so the point in mm-hmm. verse seven is that Philemon has this active role with his brothers and sisters in Christ through his love, through his joy, in refreshing their their hearts, you know. Uh, emboldening their zeal, helping help, helping everything feel new and exciting, and all these things he he gives everyone uh, positive vibes, we might say in our millennial <laughs> speech. And then in verse twenty, Paul asks for the same thing. Mm. He says, "Yeah, yes, brother, I want some benefit from you in the Lord." And what is the benefit he wants? He wants his heart to be refreshed by my heart,
0: Onesimus, my own heart. Yes, yeah. There's some. There is a lot of parallelism.
1: Refresh my heart in Christ. Mm -hmm. Uh, So he could be speaking of his actual heart, Paul. I mean, like Mm -hmm. his personal heart, or he could be talking about Onesimus Mm -hmm. as well. Exactly, yeah. Uh, And and talking about the (laughs) restoration of Onesimus. Refresh my heart or restore my heart. Uh, Show him the same love and joy and courtesy that you show your brothers and sisters. Extend that same thing to him. Or he could be saying, what's going to make my heart refreshed, Uh, Paul, what's going to make my heart refreshed is you receiving him. Uh, Either way, he's he's petitioning him to do the right thing here and, and talking about the joy that it's going to bring.
0: Mm. Yeah. Paulus, Paul. I think he means all of those things. I mean, there's so much just all of the, above. seriously, <laughs> all of the above. It's like, there's so much little, just little, uh, what's the word?
1: Intricacies. Just parallelisms. Yeah. yeah.
0: There's so many, he's such a masterful writer here. Uh, I think you're you're right. He's he's saying um he's saying let let me have in the New King James it says, Let me have my joy. Let me have my joy mm-hmm. in you. Referring back to verse seven. You I have great joy in you. Why? Because you have refreshed the hearts of the saints. So let me have that joy in mm-hmm. refreshing Onesimus, who is my heart. <laughs> you know, he says in verse, what is it? Uh verse twelve. So yeah, that's just
1: Beautiful. Verse 21, he says, confident in your obedience. Mm. What does uh, New King James say?
0: Having confidence in your obedience, I write to you.
1: And I don't think he's talking about obedience to him. I think he's talking about obedience to Christ. Mm -hmm. I'm confident in your obedience to Christ. I write you knowing that you will do even more than what I say because of your obedience to Christ. And so he then goes on to ask for him to prepare a guest room for him, Mm -hmm. which I think also, you know, there's some debate on whether Paul got out of the Roman prison that he was in. I tend to think that he does. And so I think this is more evidence that at least Paul's posture while he was in prison was that he would be acquitted or released Mm -hmm. and be able to be with them. Anything else to say on those verses? before we just get to this final greeting here where he he greets all these people who yeah. whose names i probably can't pronounce
0: <laughs> yeah i i struggled through it when we were reading it okay uh, yeah he he uh i mean of course we're sort of left to wonder because we're only seeing one side of this letter right so we're we're sort of left to wonder how philemon responded to this mm-hmm. letter uh but of course that said paul expressed that he had confidence in Philemon's obedience. And I think you're right saying that it, I th- I've heard a lot of people present this like Paul's sort of being sarcastic here. And maybe there is a little bit of a level to that uh, of because Paul does tend to have some sarcasm, I, I think. But I know you'll do the right thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's how I've heard it be presented. And maybe there is a level of that, but I think he's truly, I, I do think Paul truly means this that he has confidence in mm-hmm. in philemon's obedience to Christ and that he he goes on further to say you're going to do knowing you and knowing your character knowing your obedience to christ. I know you're going to do even more than i than I command you uh, or not command, but uh you know even more where is it verse verse twenty one uh, even more than I say he says he has confidence in and so I choose to believe that Philemon finishes this letter and he looks up to behold his new brother in Christ. And I choose to believe that, that he, he Paul's confidence in Philemon's obedience was not misplaced. I choose mm-hmm. to believe that, that Philemon did this. Uh, at least that's the happy ending in my mind. I like things to to wrap up and have a a nice, happy ending. Um, Sure. But that's that's the way I I like to think about it.
1: All right. Going to these final verses, we have Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, sends greeting to you. And so do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, and Luke, my fellow workers. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. So, there's we a little so- bit of
0: timeline there. De- this is before Demas forsook Paul.
1: Oh, okay.
0: Right? Because he's mentioning Demas here as his fellow laborer.
1: Interesting. Okay. Yeah. And then we know Luke is with them there mm-hmm. in in Rome. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Mark. P- p- probably writing the book of Acts. Mm-hmm. And Mark. Yeah. Interesting. Well, do you have any final comments on the book? um that you would like to, or or something that was profound to you from the book i'm i'm sure you've already expressed it but if you can just leave the listeners with something juicy that would be great
0: sure so <laughs> we've we've gotten to the end of the letter now and you know what about slavery i hmm. think a lot of a lot of american readers are left with that question why I, man, I thought this was supposed to be the Bible's last commentary on slavery. I was expecting, you know, some big, profound message about the evils and wickedness of slavery. I mean, I've read about slavery and how slaves were treated in America um, and how just terrible and wicked and evil the slavery was in, in our nation's history. Why doesn't the Bible? They may have this question. Why doesn't the Bible have a verse plainly condemning slavery and calling for governments to abolish it and calling for slaves to rebel against, against their masters? Why doesn't it have that, that verse that so many people long for and that they're looking for in the Bible and they're expecting? I think we need to be very clear that slavery... Especially the slavery of our nation's history, uh, especially the race based uh, chattel slavery where, where people are, are kidnapped and uh, owned as property and they're not afforded rights and they're treated very poorly as less than human. That is evil and, and wicked and sinful. And I, I believe the scriptures, uh, there's a reason why the abolitionists were Christians. A lot of people don't realize that, but the, the people who are calling for the abolition of slavery, both in, in Great Britain and in the United States, were widely, a majority of them were Christians. And they used the Bible to support their view that these slaves are our, our, you know, our brothers. Uh, we should treat them as humans uh, with equality, without partiality here 's why the scriptures don 't have that that verse calling for this the scriptures first of all, the scriptures don 't need to condemn this form of slavery that we 're familiar with because they already condemn it, right They already condemn man stealing and they already condemn. Violence and separating wife from husband and uh, having partiality, right? So, so it's already condemned. It's just not condemned in the words that people want it to be. Um, but still, you 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 think? I thought you know Jesus breaks every chain, right? Uh, is something we like to sing in our songs. Why didn't the Holy Spirit take this opportunity through this situation through Paul to? Call for the abolition of, of slavery in every country worldwide for the rest of, of of history I think this letter actually answers that question. The scriptures do not set out to change the world through social reform that 's not the goal of scriptures as much as we might like the scriptures to have the the aim of making our lives as comfortable as as they could be in this world. That's not the aim of the scriptures. The scriptures don't set out to change government policy or influence uh, the cultures of this world. The scriptures have the goal to change the hearts of people on an individual level, especially the new covenant. Again and again, we're, we're, we're reading about this. Uh, the new covenant has, has the aim of, 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 and Jesus and you know Christ has the aim of changing people's hearts on an individual level, and I think this this book, as as short as it is, you can read it. I mean, so quickly. I think this demonstrates that so perfectly that that I mean, only in Christ is this possible. Mm-hmm. I want to I want to stress that that even in this culture, I mean. People, I think people, yes, slavery was very different for the Romans than it was for us. But sometimes we go a little bit too far and make it like slavery wasn't that big a deal. Yes, slavery was pretty terrible for the Romans, too, in in Roman culture. Uh, It wasn't, I mean, it wasn't great. It it was pretty wicked and evil in a lot of cases. Um, Only in Christ is it possible for a runaway slave to be reunited returned to his former master received verse 16 no longer as a slave but more than a slave a beloved brother i mean seriously find me an example of this happening just because of of worldly you know people in the world coming up with their own morality only in christ is this possible and that's because christ does that with people? He enables us to have a love for one another that is just unprecedented in this in this world. With a worldly mindset, a worldly, uh, you know, earthly worldview. Christ enables us to do that because of His example, um, because of His living Word and its influence on our lives, because of His Holy Spirit. He enables us to do things like this that we read about in Philemon. We should read this story and be just totally shocked that this is, that this is able to happen. That Paul is able to send a runaway slave in this culture back to his master, having confidence that things are going to go well. Hmm. That this, this person who Paul now has a newfound love for, who Paul describes as his own heart, that he can send his own heart back to his former slave owner and expect him not only not to be killed, not to be treated poorly, but to be received in the same way that Paul would expect to be received by this person. That's only possible through Christ's love. And that is, I think, what we need to understand about the Scriptures they don't have, and yet again, going back to this blind obedience, right? There's a theme, I think, in this book of, of obeying, uh, just having blind obedience or obeying because your heart is changed, because you have Christian character, because you choose to obey. The scriptures want us to obey from the inside out. They want to influence people from the inside out. They want to change people on an individual level, on the heart level. And so, they don't have an, an interest in forcing people to behave in Christian esque ways at you know gunpoint or sword point through the government. Mm-hmm. That's not the aim of scriptures, because as we've already demonstrated, as we already talked about, that sort of obedience is has no staying power. It's not permanent. It it will. It'll fall to social pressure. It'll fall to desires to have partiality, desires to to live another way. The scriptures call us to something greater than social reform. The scriptures call us to change and influence individuals on a heart level, on an individual level, by introducing them to Christ and by bringing the Holy Spirit into their lives and and bringing the living word into their lives, which has the power to produce a change in them that would lead a slave owner to receive his former slave as a brother. I think that's so amazing. And I mm-hmm. think that's that's what this book, I think that's the power of the book of Philemon is demonstrating that. And that's why we have this book in the scriptures. You know, that's that's that is the power of the Holy Spirit to take this, Situation that is just I mean it's an ordinary, maybe not ordinary, but it's such an individual uh you know case why does why does everybody in the church throughout all history need to read about this letter that Paul has to an individual about his own life? this is why it demonstrates the ability of of Christ the ability of the Holy Spirit and the living Word and God to have an influence over An individual and change them on the heart level. And it's that sort of influence which enables the love that we're talking about and and that Christians have towards one another. That's so shocking. And so, I mean, that the world should envy in us is because that's not possible for the world without Christ. Christ enables that. So that's,
1: those are my, I guess, my final thoughts. No, I think that's a, a, I don't have anything to add to that. I think that's a great way to end a good summarizing of the purpose of Philemon. But I uh, appreciate you coming on, and uh, we'll have you on again sometime soon, okay? All right. Love you, brother. All right. Love you, too. Thanks again for taking time out of your day to listen to the Real Biblical Application podcast. If you have any questions about the discussion that was had today, please email me at realbiblicalapplication at gmail.com. And remember, keep on learning and finding ways to apply the Word of God to your life.